welcome to No Ordinary Ordinary Women, Women, the podcast where two ordinary broads chat about extraordinary women, the good, the bad, and the bad bad shit crazy. crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I was messing with you that time, Rose. I did a dramatic pause at the beginning. (laughs) Not cool and not cool. How are you, Rose? Good. How are you? Oh, great. My life's wonderful. I'm so happy. Lynn's in a great mood, guys. <laughs> a little sarcastic, sarcastic tone in my voice. A little sarcastic tone in my voice. Yeah. Yeah. That's Things fine. are dandy. It's been a really weird week. It has. And it, it's Thursday. It's we're we're recording on a regular yeah, day. So it's so actually it, been like a week. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's Tuesday. But on a positive note, I didn't gain or lose a single pound after girls' weekend. So Are you serious? Yeah. I did see, not think, weigh myself. <laughs> I think I I think I had like gained like the day before like I think not the day before but before we left I was like Ugh, I ate garbage like the night before or something so yeah. I was like oh, I'll probably be heavier but yeah so I didn't gain or lose so I started oh, tracking good. again I'm back on the wagon are you yes. I fell off the wagon ate the wagon I fell off the wagon <laughs> ate it and then got drugged behind it <laughs> yeah. then climbed back up there and ate all the people in it <laughs> and drank all their booze <laughs> yeah for real <laughs> I know. Oh, it's been like the weirdest week. I don't know. I'm like, is it a full moon? Everybody in my office is like, like solstice, not solstice, but the the planets, planets aren't or aligned, whatever. or they are aligned, or something's going on with They're the planets. Coming out my ass. Something. <laughs> something happened with the planets. Planets. It's been a fucking Uranus. weird, weird week. <laughs> They're all in Uranus. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I got to be punchy because otherwise I'll cry. <laughs> Oh, my God. So today I made a cocktail of, it's called a, oh, God, what was it called? Cherry ch- vanilla Cherry vodka vanilla soda? Cherry vanilla vodka something, soda, something. So it's just like vanilla vodka, a little bit of cherry juice. Um, what do you mean cherry juice? Like you? Cher- like grenadine. Oh. Um, I thought you squeezed cherries. <laughs> I squeezed cherries one at a time. Um, cherry, uh, grenadine. I should have said grenadine. I'm sorry. So vanilla vodka, grenadine, lime juice, and over ice with a little salsa and a cherry garnish and a little squeeze of lime. It's pretty good. I added too much salsa. So there is a cherry, oh, what is in, a there. cherry in there. in there. Look at that. You found a cherry. <laughs> So it's good. I just, the first one I made, I diluted a little too much with the soda water. So, but that's probably for the best anyway. Yeah. She needs to be diluted a little. I need to be diluted. Well, I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to lose weight. Now I got to count all these goddamn points. Oh, who cares? Fuck it. Yeah. That's what I say. Fuck it. Tell that to my pants (laughs) as they're hanging on for dear life. (laughs) All the scenes are like, hold on. (laughs) Oh God, guys, she's putting us on again. Don't let go. (laughs) One thread goes and we're all a goner. <laughs> so we want to talk about our new favorite podcast. podcast. Sisters it's, take a side. Sisters take a side. It's actually, you guys, it's really good. I really like their storytelling. I just, they're fun. They're a lot of fun. Um, they covered uh, Mary, the murders of Mary Morris this week. And it's about two women named Mary who were murdered like at the same time. Oh, it wasn't one Mary that got murdered twice? <laughs> I thought you were serious. I was like, did you the listen to the episode? Like? Yes, I did. I, I did. The look on yeah. your face, you're like, uh, like, you're processing it like a boy. What? Like a boy. <laughs> yes. Two women in the same tiny, not tiny, but small town. 
areas um, were both murdered within, what was it, 72 hours of each other? Yeah, it was crazy. It was really, really weird. And there's, it's unsolved, which is even creepier. So they seem to think their theory, their side, because they take a side on the, is that there was like a, um, it was like a, didn't they decide it was, oh my God, I don't even remember now. It was a planned murder, like a hitman kind of thing. Yeah, right. And that he murdered the wrong person, so then he had to murder the right one. And one of them was saying- Which is so fucking weird. And one of them was like, I'd be like- I want my money back. And I was like, oh, <laughs> or something. She said something like that. It made me laugh. And I'm like, oh, would you? If you hired someone to murder someone? <laughs> yeah. That's good to know. It's good to know that you would like your money back. Yeah. <laughs> Do I get a discount on the second murder because you murdered somebody yeah, accidentally? Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they're really good. I love, I do, I said this last time, I really like their their banter and I like, um, their storytelling is really good too. They're, I feel like they're, um, it's very professional. So it's Emily and Sarah. You all should go take a listen. Sisters Take a Side. And you can follow them at Sisters Take a Side underscore podcasts on Instagram or the gram, as the my gram. husband says it's called. The gram. The gram. Cracker. He's a cracker. It's called <laughs> he the is gram. A <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, give them a follow and then listen to their podcast and make sure you rate. You follow, rate, and review their podcast on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you're listening and let them know that we sent you. Yeah, they're awesome. Because it's fun. It's fun having uh, podcast friends. Hashtag ladies who podcast. Hashtag uh, the pod squad. Oh, boy. Here we go. (laughs) Hashtag women podcasters. (laughs) Hashtag women in podcasting. I got them all, girls. I got them all. Anyway, so are you going to go first today, Rose, so you don't fuck up the whole time like you did last week? <laughs> what are you talking about? You had me I laughing have so any, hard. Any listening. trouble talking last week? I was listening to last week's episode and I was walking through the park laughing out loud <laughs> to myself because. Because I can't talk? Because you, when you said. Similarly. Simil, simil, similarly. Similarly or whatever. And I busted out laughing. It was pretty funny. <laughs> we both People at the play, playground and stuff, they're looking at me like that. Another crazy oh, lady there's walking another around the another crazy park. one. Yeah. That's, that's okay. They're not that far from the truth. All right. So I had a, a lot of trouble because this is our last um, episode for Black History Month. And I wanted to to cover someone really good. Like me? And I was going to do Lynn, but then I realized she's not black. <laughs> you never know. And she's not really good. <laughs> and I'm not really good. I'm good, but I'm not good. So I was going between... Um, the person I'm doing and Michelle Obama because oh, I love Michelle. That's tough. Yeah, I do love Michelle Obama. Because I kind of wanted to do somebody who, like in the modern world, um, but I really, really wanted to do my person. So I'll do Michelle later. Hey, I still love do her. her later for sure. Yeah. Even though me and Obama having an affair. Oh my God. <laughs> How do rumors get started? <laughs> started by the jealous people. <laughs> hey, what about Rosie? Some say she's just a tease. <laughs> I can't help that he loves me, Lynn. Whatever. Dream right. on. Anywho, are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Sometime between 1820 and 1822, Araminta. Araminta Ross was born on a plantation in Dorchester County, Maryland. Her parents, Harriet or Rit, they called her Rit, 
Green. That's a cool nickname. And Benjamin Ross were enslaved and had eight other children. Britt worked as a cook in the plantation's big house, and Benjamin was a timber worker. Araminta was called Minty by her parents, but later changed her name to, in, to Harriet in honor of her mother. Isn't Minty such a cute name? That is a cute name. Well, that's where the cuteness ends. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Eek. At just five years old, Harriet was rented out as a nursemaid where she was whipped when the baby cried, leaving her with permanent emotional and physical scars. She was five and she was she a nurse's maid? She was five. Maid. She was a nursemaid. So she had to, that means she has to take care of the baby, right? At five. At five. Holy shit. Five. And then if the baby cried, she got whipped. Yeah. Oh, well, that, I mean, I swear to, at a five-year-old, why wouldn't she just choke the baby to death? I mean, she doesn't have the capacity to know right. any better. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. But I that's ridiculous. I mean, I can't even five. That's like me leaving a baby with Charlotte. And she's much and she's six and a half and she's much more mature than a five year old. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I can't imagine. I, I can't either. At the age of seven, she was rented out to a planter to set muskrat traps and was later rented out as a field hand. She later said she preferred physical plantation work to indoor domestic chores, which I think I would, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, trying to take care of a baby and getting whipped when it cries is... Well, also being outside, you don't have somebody standing over you like you do inside. Yeah, and probably. you're not in, like, close quarters. Stuffy. Yeah, yeah, right. At the age of 12, Harriet went... Harriet went... Harriet was sent to the Bucktown General Store, which was a local dry goods store. While there, an enslaved boy ran into the store, followed by an overseer... The boy ran past Harriet, and the overseer told her to grab the boy, but Harriet refused. And so he picked up a two-pound weight and threw it at, like he was throwing it at the boy, but he missed and hit Harriet in the head. Oh, my God. That doesn't sound, like, that heavy, but two pounds, like a two-pound weight, and he's super well, angry, and he's, like, flinging it at this kid. Well, it's a half, a, half of a bag of sugar. You think about, like, yeah, a bag of sugar. Yeah, and he hit half her in the head. And you, that would hurt like hell. And I don't especially know. Especially if it's metal. Like, if it was, yeah, like like metal or what. It wasn't plastic back then. Yeah, that's true. The weight cracked her skull and knocked her to the ground, and blood poured oh. out of her head onto her face. She was taken back to her quarters unconscious and laid on the seat of the loom because she had no place... No better place to lay down. So you might know. I was like, Lynn will probably know what that means. Laid on the seat of the loom. So the loom is like the... Like a weaving loom. Like a weaving loom. But what is the, the seat? Like a bench, like a it. piano probably like a, bench? Probably like a bench of some sort okay. or like a stool or something like that. Maybe it's... To, if she it laid on it, it's probably like, probably kind of like a piano bench. I don't know if back then the loom had a seat built in, which... Oh, maybe. I don't know. I looked at a lot of pictures of looms <laughs> when I was doing this. No one cleaned her wound or checked on her at all for days. Like, oh she just God. laid there for days. When she finally came to, days later, she was forced back into the field with blood still running down her face. Oh, my God. She's lucky she didn't die. Right. I think they just left her there because they probably thought she would die, and then she didn't. And then they were like, oh, I guess get oh, back to the Oh, now we got to back to work. Back to work. Right. What jackasses. The brain injury caused lifelong seizures and narcolepsy for the remainder of her life. She also began having premonitions of God and vivid dreams of escaping slavery. Her injury made her unattractive put... put... <laughs> oh <my>. Puta? <laughs> I guess going first didn't help. Yeah, okay. 
<laughs> to potential slave buyers and renters. Oh, shit. I just hit the thing. My mouth feels like super dry and my lips feel super dry. Hold on. One second. Let me put on some, some lip gloss. Lube it up, girl. For Lynn. She Lube it up. Thinks I'm beautiful. Oh, God. Get off your phone. This is a serious podcast, ma'am. All right. You ready? I'm ready. In 1840, Harriet's father was set free. Harriet found out that their last owners had also set her free in his will. And her mother and her siblings were also set free, but their new owner refused to recognize the will and kept them all in bondage. What the hell? Which, I mean, it's not surprising. It's not like he's going to be like, oh, you guys are free. You know, because slave owners are known known for being nice. Oh, yeah, sure. In 1844, Harriet married John Tubman, a free black man, and became Harriet Tubman. In 1849, Harriet heard that their owner was going to sell her brothers. She prayed and prayed for him to change his mind, and when that didn't work, she prayed that he would die. And a week later, he died. The owner, <laughs> oh, the owner died. Yeah. Oh, my God, that's awesome. Well, not really, because... <clears throat> With him dying, it brought even more fear because then what would happen? They could be sold to someone else and... Well, they they were freed. They couldn't be sold, right? I mean, it was 1844. They could do whatever the... Or 1849. They could do whatever the fuck they wanted. It's not like they would be like, oh, he, you know, he did... He sold me and, and ju- a judge would be like, oh, that's against the law. Well, <laughs> right? I don't know. So Joyner Truth did it. Yeah, right. <laughs> She was in the Northland. Yeah, but Pete, yeah, she was in the Northland. I mean, this People is in Maryland. They were afraid to try and do anything yeah. for fear of being beaten or killed. So so she came up with an escape plan for her and her brothers to get oh. them out because she knew that shit was going down. And so on Monday, September 17th, 1849, she and her brothers, Harry and Ben, escaped the plantation. Nice. But... They didn't get very far before Harry and Ben changed their minds. One of them had just become a new father, and they were, like, really nervous about getting caught. And so they turned around and headed back to the plantation. And Harriet made sure they were safe, and then she headed north. At the time of her escape, she had been hired out to Anthony Thompson, and and her owner, Eliza Brodus, did not know of her escape for about two weeks. Um, a notice of their escape was published in the Cambridge Democrat on October 3rd, 1849, offering a $300 reward for their return, which is probably a lot of money. Lots of money, but a lot of money back then. Yeah. I didn't do the math, but. Harriet traveled at night and followed the North Star. The first person to help her on the Underground Railroad was a woman, white woman who was a Quaker. She gave her shelter and instructions on where to go next. Although her is. Although her exact escape route is unknown, it is believed that she traveled about 90 miles northeast along the Choptank River and through Delaware to Pennsylvania. Wow. On foot, 90 miles. Chop, chop, tuck. Choptank River. Okay. When she finally crossed the Mason-Dixon line, she knew that she was free. Years later, in her biography, she said... When I found I had crossed that line, I looked at my hands to see if I was the same person. There was such a glory over everything. The sun came like gold through the trees and over the fields, and I felt like I was in heaven. Oh, that's so cool. I know. 
She found work in Philadelphia in hotels and clubhouses so she could save up money to go back and rescue her family. Harriet soon became an operator of the Underground Railroad, and she returned to Maryland at least 13 times over the course of a decade to rescue her parents, brothers, family members, and friends. In 1850, the Fugitive Slave Act was passed, which allowed fugitive and freed workers in the North to be captured and enslaved. This made her job in the Underground Railroad much harder. She had to be so much more careful while leading people to freedom. She started taking people all the way up to Canada, and she would always travel at night, usually in the spring or fall when the days were shorter. So the Fugitive Slave Act was supposed to be just, you know, you can go and get your slave if, if they've escaped and you mm-hmm. can and you can capture them and bring them back. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't used that way. Mm-hmm. They they would go and just find any free black person and take them and say, "Oh, this is my slave." Uh, oh my god. Yeah, that would happen. I mean, there were no rules. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they could yeah. white people could basically do whatever they wanted. And it's not often that someone like Sojourner Truth came around who were yeah. who knew enough to or I don't think knew enough, but or was able to or determined or I mean, determined. I, mean, enough, yeah, I, mean, right. I think that growing up in the South as a black person, I think that they were just so terrified of like a, getting beaten or, you know, they they if they spoke out of turn and right. they did anything wrong, they would get the shit beaten out of them or killed. Right. So she would often drug children and babies to keep them from crying or being heard. And she carried a gun for protection. And she does often have to like. The people she was helping escape would would freak out, and she would use her gun to like threaten them because yeah. she'd be like, "You need to calm the fuck down." Yeah, right. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shut up and do what I'm telling you because I'm trying to help you. Did you see that there was a movie not that long ago about this? And I can't remember what it was called. There was a movie about the Underground Railroad, and it was it was like Harriet Tubman's story. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't and see that. I can't remember the name of it, but um, I'll look it up. But yeah, it showed her like. It, it was her, and it showed her, like, she would want to go back. She was like, I'm going to go back in the spring. And, and this man that she worked for, somebody in, I think they were in, like, Boston or something, was like, you can't. It's too risky. And she's like, I've got to do it. I've got yeah, to do right. it. Yeah, right. So I think her father, no, her parents were in. Yeah, she did She did find, like, friends and stuff up in, um, I think she was in Pennsylvania. It's called Harriet. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's really good. It, it was. When did it come did out? Did you watch 2019. it? Yeah, I did. It's. It's. You should watch it. It's I don't very think good. I it's very good. Yeah, it's insane. In the summer of 1857, she rescued her elderly parents when her father was warned that he would be arrested for suspicion of sheltering the Dover Eight, a great, a group, a group of eight freedom seekers. Have you ever heard of them? I've never heard of the Dover Eight. Mm-mm, but I remember this part of the movie. I oh, really? Think, yeah. I, yeah. I, they were like hiding in like a basement of a church or something at some point. Uh, I'm, I'm basically, yeah. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, her father, Ben Ross, had been freed but by his owner's will in 1840, and he had purchased his wife's freedom in 1855. But freedom wasn't always guaranteed, and the threat of imprisonment, imprisonment made them leave Maryland. So that's what I mean. Even though they were freed, you know, in in the South, or I feel like Maryland's not the South. I think it still was then. Was it? Even though they were freed, they were free people in the South. 
they were still terrified because at any point somebody could grab them and be like, no, you're my slave. I mean, yeah. what what's stopping them, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. She had always looked for her sisters who were sold when she was younger, but she never did see them again. Like, she could never find them. Mm. She also went back for her husband, John Tubman, but by that time he had remarried and he didn't want to leave. I remember that part of the and There's, like, mixed, really mixed stories about him, like, not supporting her, but I don't know. It's hard to tell. It's like, you know, the information's from so long ago yeah. that it's hard to tell what's true and what's yeah. not. It could be that he was just, like, scared and didn't want to do it. Well, he th- I think he thought she was dead because he never heard. Yeah, You know, like, right. she disappeared right. and he thought she was dead. I think that's what he said in the movie, at least. I mean, I don't know. You During know. her 10 years working for the Underground Railroad, Harriet became friends with Frederick Douglass, Thomas Garrett, and Martha Coffin Wright and established her own Underground Railroad network. She is thought to have led at least 70 enslaved people to freedom and instructed dozens of others on how to escape on their own. She claimed, this is one of her like famous quotes, I never ran my, tra- my train off the track and I never lost a passenger. Which is pretty impressive for yeah. 10 years of working for the Underground Railroad. She was a beast, man. She didn't fuck around. She, she got it done. Through the Underground Railroad, Harriet learned the towns and transportation routes characterizing the South, information that made her important to Union military commanders during the Civil War. In 1861, she was recruited as a Union spy and scout. I never knew this about her. She would often transform herself into an old woman and wander the streets under Confederate control and learn from the enslaved population about Confederate troop placements and supply lines. She helped many enslaved fugitives to find food, shelter, and even jobs in the North. As a nurse during the Civil War, Harriet used herbal remedies to help black and white soldiers dying from infection and disease. Mm. So she still helped white soldiers, which is, to me, is pretty... Well, because black men were fighting side by side in the trenches. Yeah. I know, but she still helped the white soldiers, like... I feel it's like I would just hold, I would hold Unlike my hand over their mouth and let them die. That's true. <laughs> After the Civil War, Harriet settled with family and friends on land she owned in Auburn, New York. In 1869, she married Nelson Davis, a former enslaved man and Civil War veteran, and they adopted a little girl named Gertie a few years later. Mm-hmm. And he was like 22 years younger than she was. Get it, girl! Oh, she's a cougar. Something else you didn't know about Harriet Tubman. (laughs) Harriet had an open-door policy for anyone in need. She sold homegrown produce, raised pigs, and accepted donations and loans from friends so that she could continue helping people in need. Even though she never learned to read or write, yeah, she did all this while being illiterate. Well, that's so you want your truth. Same thing. Like, she never went to school. Like, remember, she never— It's like, how do you even— I don't don't get it. It's crazy. It's It's, it's like pure freaking determination. The determination that I I don't—I can't even imagine. yeah. Yeah. She toured parts of the Northeast speaking on behalf of the women's suffrage movement and worked with Susan B. Anthony. Oh, wow. After an extensive campaign for a military pension, she was finally awarded $8 per month, which is $284 today— in 1895, as Davis's widow, he died in 1888. So she, she got $8 per month for him. 
and twenty dollars per month in eighteen ninety nine for her service, which would be seven hundred and twenty dollars today, which mm. is bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> groceries. Not even groceries anymore. That's like a thousand dollars in pension. That's ridiculous. In 1869, Harriet purchased the land next to her home and opened the Harriet Tubman Home for the Aged and Indigent Colored People. To help relieve some of the issues caused by her head injury, she had brain surgery. Can you imagine having brain surgery in, like, 1900? Mm. That would be scary as hell. (laughs) Yeah. But her health continued to deteriorate and eventually forced her to move into her namesake rest home in 1911. Pneumonia took Harriet Tubman's life on March 10th, 1913, but her legacy lives on. On March 10th, 1913, at the age of 91, Harriet Tubman died from pneumonia and was laid to rest with military honors at Fort Hill Cemetery in Auburn, New York. Oh, wow. In 2016, the United States Treasury announced that Harriet's image would would replace that of former president and slave owner Andrew Jackson on the $20 bill. The Trump administration said it would be delayed until at least 2026. What? In 2021, really? yeah, in January 2021, President Biden's administration announced that it would speed up the design process to mint the bills honoring Tubman's legacy. And I did some searching and found that it is supposed to be released sometime in 2030. 2030? I know. I mean, what the hell? From 2016 to 2030? I, I mean, I guess it takes a while. I don't know. Trump is like, oh, this is not tremendous enough. We're not going to do it. Yeah. We don't like black people. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he for sure didn't want... Why would you slow something like that down? Because he's racist, motherfucker. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Oops. We're not supposed to talk politics. (laughs) We took it back. It's all back. Not really. So isn't she... I love her. She's very cool. Um, You are going to love the movie. It's the movie mimics a lot yeah, of what I'm you said. I'm going to definitely watch it. It's very cool. And then when you started talking about her taking care, I'm reading a book right now called Something White Coats. I can't remember what it is, but it's about women becoming doctors before women were allowed to go to medical school. And, oh. And this group of women who like started their own medical school, started their own clinic because they weren't allowed to. It's oh, just wow, so cool. That's awesome. And so they're talking about the medical care and how like surgery back then, it was like, you know, there's no anesthesia and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh my oh, god, oh god, it just gives me the like. I just, it, the just to say it, I know. I just to like, say uh. it, it, it gives me the goosebumps across my whole body. Like, no, I would just, I'll just die of pain. Thanks, I don't need it. Yeah, but yeah, there was like, you know, or they would give them, um, what was it? Something like really awful for the pain. I can't remember what it was, but I was like, oh god, no, um, like what? bourbon. <laughs> no, it wasn't alcohol. It was like. Um, I can't remember. I can't remember. But it's just like reading this book is really cool. And I was we were had our girls weekend last weekend. And um, our Yana, our friend, the Dolly Yana that goes with us, um, who knows like everything. That's why we call her that. She um, she's a nurse. And so we um, I showed her the book. And so she's going to read it when I'm. Oh, really? really Yeah. She reads all the time. Yeah. But it's it's a very it's a very cool book. So, yeah. So. Well, awesome. I'd read it, but I have a list. Of I know. I, I do, too. I'm such a slow reader. I feel like every time we um, have a do an, make, do an episode, we come up with like three books that we need to I read. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, that's one of the people I wanted to do for Black History Month. She just released a book in the last, like, I want to say year or so. Oh, really? And I really wanted to read her book. Yeah. Um, there's not... An, I don't know if she was very strategic strategic about this, but there's not a lot about her online. 
Oh, wow. It, there's a few interviews, and she just says stuff about her book and stuff, but there's not a lot about her online. So you have to read the book. So you have to read the yeah. book, and she's smart in doing that. But Just get Libby from your library and l- read it and, and listen to it. Oh, no, Libby, you can't listen to it. I think you can read it. Do you rent the books from the library? I, I don't know how to do that. No. I, I need to have somebody show me. Even Christina knows how to do I, that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, but yeah, that's that's a great story. It's a, it's you'll love the movie. You'll have to watch the movie. So. I will. I that's will. A, I don't I don't know if it's good for the kids, but it's a good movie for Chris. He needs to do some learning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, you ready to take a breaky break? Yeah, we're gonna take a break. We'll be back. All right. We're back. We just had this yummy dinner of yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> Lynn had yogurt. I had sushi. Oh my god, the sushi and it was yummy. So good. It looks super delicious. I was going to give so. you a bite, but then I was like, eh, I don't want to tease her, you know. I didn't want to tease you with just a little bite cuz then you're going to want more and I didn't have enough to share. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, just <kidding. laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time. No. I'm totally fine. No, if I I I I could house some Sushi. Sushi's not that fattening at all. Yeah, and I didn't want to, like, I mean, who wants a bite of sushi? No. <laughs> like, you got to have a whole roll. Yeah, nothing. right. Yeah, you can't. You got to have no, a couple rolls. Just, I'm going to go home and have dinner. I just want, I knew I'd be really hungry if I didn't bring something to snack on. So, you ready to hear Good about my you. lady? No. I don't want to hear it. Okay, well, I'll talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Wait, I was thinking we needed to talk about something. Do we? Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's, Let's talk, talk about, about you and me. Let's talk about all the Are we going to talk about the, the elephant in the room? Baby. Oh, no, that's your necklace. <laughs> Rose was wearing an elephant necklace. She's calling me fat, subliminal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happened yeah, this morning. You're I was like, like oh, I'm going to tell Lynn you're fat by wearing this necklace. <laughs> I have an elephant bracelet on. How to say you, um, you have... Um, Body image issues. Yeah, yeah. So my bracelet is like yeah, a, that's cute. It's from um, Alex and Ani, and it's just like a little string kind. It has an elephant. I got it for my goddaughter Ashley, and it says, and it's like it's an elephant. It's like the together we are stronger. You got it. You got it for her, and you wore it. I got it two, one for her, and one for me. Oh, <laughs> so like, it comes weird. in a set of two because together we're stronger. So oh, okay, yeah. okay. So and yeah, that I love mean body odor either. By the way, what? That doesn't mean body odor. What does that mean? Together we're stronger. Not the smell, just stronger. And what does the half the boot do with body odor? The boop. The boop. <laughs> What's the boop have to you, do with body you, odor? Are you drunk, friend? <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Never mind. You just cut that out. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm tired. I can't believe it's Thursday. I wish it was Friday. I wish it was Saturday. Actually, no, because if it was Saturday, the weekend would be almost over. Yeah, that's true. I wish it was Friday. So, so I'm going to tell you today. I wish it was vacation. <laughs> yeah, I wish I was in Hawaii or Italy. <laughs> yeah. So, Rose, I'm going to tell you today about Jaha Dukara. Jaha Dukara. Okay, never heard of her. Yeah, she was born in 1989 in Gambia, in a village of 10,000 people. She had four sisters and three brothers. When she was only one week old, she was subjected to type 3 female genital mutilation. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. Her sister was subject to the same female, I'm going to call it FGM because that's the abbreviation for it. 
Um, I just don't want to keep saying female genital mutilation. I want you to say it every single time. I don't. It's just, just too upsetting. Um, her sister was subjected to the same FGM, but she died during the surgery. <gasps> yeah. Everyone told her it was just her sister's time to go, but she was angry, and she didn't understand how anyone could think this about a young girl. So FGM was not, just so you know, it was not done in a hospital, nor it was done by a medical professional. It was done by whomever, and it was done at the house. So if there's any sort of complication or excessive bleeding, the person would just oh die. God, could you imagine the pain, the poor baby? Uh, it's unbelievable. Like, it's absolutely insane. Um. So Jaha was the first of her sisters to go to school. When her, when her other family members complained about her being able to go to school and not learning at home how to be a wife and do chores, her mother dismissed the comments and continued to tell Jaha how proud she was of her. Oh, good and for her. wanted to be educated. When she was in seventh grade, her mother was diagnosed with cancer. Um, her mother was unable to find proper care in Gambia. So her mother moved to the U.K. for medical treatment, and she brought Jaha with her. Her mother wanted Jaha to continue with her education while in the U.K., but she didn't have time. At the age of 14, she was just back and forth to the hospital every day by her mom's side, taking care of her mom. That's really sad. Yeah. So her mother wanted – her mother found out that she had only three months to live. And so she sent Jaha back to Gambia because she didn't want her daughter to watch her die. So when she was 15, her mother lost her battle to cancer. She knew her life was going to change without her her mother to protect her. As she was told from the age of eight that her husband had been already chosen for her. Oh, my God. That's probably some old man. Before she turned 16, she was sent to New York to to live with her husband and have her arranged marriage. To New York? To New York. Oh, wow. From Gambia. She arrived on Christmas Day. Could you imagine? Oh, my God. The poor thing. 16. She was scheduled to marry a man in his 40s. Oh, my God. It makes I me know, want to vomit. disgusting piece of shit. After her wedding is when she found out that she just didn't go through the normal FGM, but she went through the type 3, which consisted of the removal of her clitoris and labia, and also she was stitched together, leaving a, a very small opening so she could urinate and menstruate. And that was it. Why did they... What? Why did so, they do that? Um... I don't, it's just it was just another it was a type three it was another type of it. What the fuck? And they 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 said it was you know for one religious reasons and two for um, sanitary reasons. Um, but obviously you know that that's not true. I mean I can't even imagine how I, I, how unsanitary it was yeah, to do that. Right. So she went through weeks of intense pain while her husband tried to have sex with her. Oh my god! Can you? Even oh imagine? my god! She was taken to a doctor in Manhattan who opened her vagina and told her she had to have sex that same day or the wound would close again. <gasps> yeah. This is so fucked up. She said this happened in America. What year was this? This was, she was born in, what I say, 89? Oh, my God. She was born God. in 89. And so this was when she was 16. So that was 99... 205? 205. 2005. 2005. Oh, my God. And so what she said, she was quoted as saying, um, she was quoted as saying, um, this happened in, she said, this happened in America. Like, she's shocked. Like, right? Like, now she's saying, this Holy when she's shit. talking about it, it was like I went through the FGM all over again. I can't even imagine the fucking pain. 
I can't even begin to imagine. I mean, the nerve. Oh. I can't even. I, I mean, I can't either. Like, it's. It's so insane. So she had surgery. Yeah. They, they and cut then told open her to her have vagina. sex. Yeah. They cut it open and then told her to have sex that day. That day. And Otherwise I'm sure he was really, like, nice to her about Yeah. It. I'm sure he's real patient. Oh, so. my God. Yeah. So she had always thought that the FGM was a religious ceremony, which was part of the process of getting married and being an honorable wife. And she discovered at this point, at the age of 15, sorry, she was 15, or actually it was before she was 16, when she was 15, that FGM had nothing to do with religion. And she was, like, getting pissed. So Jaha refused to stay with her husband after their marriage fell apart, and she was taken in by an aunt and uncle who lived in the Bronx. But the fact that she was able to leave shocked me and I'm so happy for her. Yeah. She was determined to go back to school while still living in New York. Uh, she visited about 10 different schools without someone to speak on her behalf and was informed that she couldn't enroll without a guardian's position, permission. Oh and so God. I'm wondering, like, was her husband, like, potentially her guardian at that point? Oh, my God. So sick. I mean, even in the U.S. Like, what? who's her guardian? Like her, And then her aunt refused to support her in the venture. Oh, my God. So, so she couldn't go back to school. What the fuck is wrong with people? So finally, the 11th school agreed to let her in and start school. Thank God. Um, in order to pay for lunch and clothes, she worked as a server in Harlem after school. She was able to attend the, attend the prom, which made me so excited. She, I mean, not that the prom's great, but it's so uh, you'll, you'll right. It's some, like a normal teenage yeah. thing. She said she saved her own money and purchased a prom dress, went on a date, and was otherwise a typical American girl. Aww, so she probably uh, that just made me happy yeah. for her. Something normal. Yeah, some sort of normalcy in her life. Um, she, she moved to Atlanta when she was 17 to marry for the second time. Now, in one article I read, it said that um, when she was 17 and she moved to Atlanta, it was another arranged marriage, but no, nobody else said that. So oh, okay. I don't know if it was or not. Um, and she was quoted as saying, I was very fortunate because my husband understands my passion for education and is the best father I could ask for for my children. Oh, that's really so, nice. So even if it was arranged, he's a good man. Yeah, good for her. So, so while she was in Atlanta, she completed high school, attended college, and began working as a bank teller. She was promoted three times in three and a half years once they saw her determination and her work ethic. She then went on to be a personal banker. When people ask where I'm from, she says, I tell them I'm a Georgia peach. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. She explains, this is now my home. There are so many opportunities here and no girl should be denied opportunities because of FGM. That's not acceptable to me. So her campaign for to help girls was a treacherous journey, obviously. She faced immediate and severe backlash after speaking publicly for the first publicly for the first time. People called my husband, my sister, and my father, and they said I wanted to lock people up and tear families apart, but that's not my message, she said. Her husband and father both respected her decision to lead the campaign, no matter how difficult it is. She refused to be intimidated into submission. She said, I am not afraid of anything they do. They will not force me to stop. The safety of our daughter is more important than that. So I think, you know, it's kind of like when she decided, you know, when she had a daughter, she was like, oh, hell no. Right. Yeah. Uh, this is not going to happen. And I don't think it should happen to anybody. I mean, I think. So were they trying to, I mean, they weren't trying to do that to the daughter over no, 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 in no, Georgia, but she was, right? Yeah. No, they weren't trying to. But she's saying that. She know, doesn't want to see any little girl right. have to deal with it. Yeah. I think it changes once you have kids. Right. And, yeah. And that's just my thought. 
So while caring for her young family and working as a personal banker, she traveled to schools, colleges, and community groups to speak about the dangers of FGM. She founded a foundation. She founded a foundation. <laughs> Should have changed one of those words. Called Safe Hands for Girls with other survivors of FGM. She took her cam- campaign to the next level by requesting more data on FGM in the United States as a first step toward developing a national action plan to train educators, health professionals, and police, and provide survivors with a safe safe place to seek help. So in Gambia, 76% of the women have experienced FGM. Oh, wow. Globally, this is fucked up, 200 million women are currently living with the effects of FGM. Oh, my God. And 2 million girls go through this practice every year. So what happens to somebody when they're in, what is it, Gambia? Gambia. In Gambia, and they have the same, have had the same, you know, tier, like tier three or whatever that she had. And when they, they can't married, have sex. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't want to know. I, I mean, I'm not trying to stick my head in the sand, but I assume that it eventually, I don't know. Oh, my God. Because their husband would leave them, I would assume, because men are just all about, you know, being satisfied. Well, but, I know. that. I mean, that would be the, like, best case scenario. Right, but he's but not if they're th- being married off to like these old men, they're probably like they're going to die trying oh my or God. kill yeah, her. I don't yeah. know. What, I can't. Yeah. I don't. I, guess I don't yeah. want to think about it either. She was quoted as saying in Washington, "They don't want to talk about vaginas. They don't want to hear about this issue, and they don't want to address it. Sometimes I feel it's, I feel is Washington. Sometimes I feel is Washington afraid to tackle FGM? Are they scared of it?" Yeah, they are. No, it's politicians. They don't want to talk about vaginas. Oh, yeah, they just want to talk about penises and, and little blue pills. During the Obama administration, Jaha did a lot of policy with Obama, the Senate, and Congress to protect women. Oh, Obama, you're my the love of my life. You'll never know <laughs> that you're my hero. <laughs> They're going to put me on some kind of watch list. <laughs> they are. They'll be like, oh. <laughs> CIA's going to be outside Stalker. your house, the guy with the... Yeah, in a dark van. <laughs> oh, my God. At the age of 25, she took, the, she took to the road and went back to her home country to fight FGM and child marriage. She went to speak to the president of her country to encourage him to outlaw FGM and child marriage. But the president was a dictator, and everyone was afraid of him. Um, if people said things he was like that he didn't like, he would have them killed, or they would just, like, disappear. You know, quote, go, yeah. quote, unquote, go missing. <laughs> um, he just was not, you know, he wasn't a nice person. Uh, so she was trying to talk to him. So she and she couldn't get in to talk to him. So she found out that he was touring the country. So she rented a car and followed him to all his destinations. Oh my god! So she ended up getting arrested by the president's security. And she gave a name for them, but she said it kind of fast in this interview I was listening to, and I I didn't get it. So it, it just like I think it was kind of like the CIA. And when they asked her what she was doing, she explained she just wanted to talk to the president about FGM and child marriage. She had no political agenda or motivation. So the story is kind of funny. She says that she was taken into this, like, interrogation kind of room. And this man walks in. And she'd always heard, like, all these horrible things about this, like, agent or security person. And that he was, like, like, would just, like, behead people. And, like, I don't know if she said that. But just, like, he was really scary. And he walks in and, and she said, um, and he introduced himself, I guess. And she said, you're so-and-so? And he was like, yeah. And she goes, why are people afraid of you? You're just like a big teddy bear. And he just oh started laughing. And That's so, so she like just warmed 
you know, he, she, he warmed right up to her. And so she was like, no, I have no political. I don't care about him killing. I don't care about him being a dictator. I just want to protect young girls. And yeah. he had already started um, in Gambia. He had already passed a law for girls to have the right to education. So she oh, felt like she good. had a little yeah, bit of right. And by meeting with her, it was a good it was good publicity for him. Yeah. Right. So so she told them she had no political agenda or motivation. So they put their guard down a little bit. So she finally met her. She finally met with the president. He took her by the hands and asked her, why are you so determined in this? And she said, you have a daughter, don't you? Do, do you want your daughter to go through this? Right. And he basically told her that his daughter wouldn't go through that. And she said, why are you going to let all these other children do it? And um she told him that she went through FGM and a child marriage and he listened to her and, you know, he was like talking about his daughter and she was using his daughter as an example. So that same day after meeting with the president, she received a phone call that her daughters had been in a car accident in Atlanta. <sighs> she dropped everything, got on a plane and went back home. Luckily, they were fine. They were they were not injured, like seriously at all. And that night after, you know, they're all home. She looked at her phone. She had several missed calls and messages from Gambia. So she returned one of the phone calls and was told that she had to come back to Gambia right away um, because she left without telling anybody. And they were like, they were pissed that she had left. Um, And the president wanted to make an announcement and he wanted her right by his side. So she was terrified. She was like, oh, shit, he's going to make an example of me. Is he going to kill me? And so she said to this guy, she had his number. She called him and she goes, just tell me the truth. Am I going to go to jail? Am I going to be killed? Why am I coming back? And um, she goes, because I can't do jail. <laughs> she said, I don't do jail. <laughs> and he, and so she was terrified. And she, she asked them to be honest with her and tell them why. You know, why am I coming back? And they told her that the president agreed with her and was going to outlaw FGM and child marriage. Oh, Gambia. wow. And she said she was sitting on her bed in her house in Atlanta and just screamed. She was, like, so overjoyed. And all these people are like, I can't believe you're trying to do this up to this point. Mm-hmm. She was like... You know, up, up to this point, people are like, why are you doing this? Yeah, you know, it won't work. It's not going to sure. work. Yeah. These people are these men are like, they're not going to listen to you. Wow. Good for her. And so he changed the law in Gambia. And she said, you know, she knows that it definitely still goes on, but it's definitely less than it used to yeah, be. Yeah, right. So she is determined to fight until FGM is recognized as a real threat to American girls and policies to protect them are put in place. She said, I don't want to be a poster child. I want every woman who has been through this to be able to speak out, she says. But if you know in every revolution, one person has to stand up to be counted, then other people follow. Right now, everyone's turning a blind eye and pretending nothing's wrong. But once we stand up together, there won't be, they won't be able to ignore us anymore. So does it happen in America? Yes. It does? Yeah. It's, I think it's, um, it's, it's outlawed in America, but you know it still happens. It absolutely still it does. It wouldn't surprise me at all that it still happens. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I did do is I added to um, this to my story all of her accolades, and for some MF reason they're not in here. So um, hold on, I'm gonna. She was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize in February of 2018. She's won the Eleanor Roosevelt Val Kill Medal, and is a UN Women Goodwill Ambassador for Africa. There wow. is a, there is a film about her. Um, it's called uh, oh it's it says a feature film about 
Yaha's Life was released by Accidental Pictures. That's the name of the production company. And The Guardian. Um, let's see. I don't, I don't understand because I definitely saved all this um, information. It's really annoying that it's not there. Yeah, because it was like she also was like she re- received all kinds of awards from her. Um, she's the youngest African Nobel Peace Peace Prize nominee. Wow. Oh, she was she was voted um, one of Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People in the World. In 2018, at the age of 28, she was the youngest African ever to be nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. She's the founder of the Safe Hands for Girls Foundation, um, and she's a founding member of the New Now, which is another organization for children. She received the Georgia Southwestern State University Outstanding Alumni Visionary Award in March of 2021 to honor her impact on the world and the university, a classroom in the business History and Political Science Building was named for uh, Jaha Dukare um, in December of 2021 as part of the College Business and Computing. Oh, awesome. The classroom features new technology and wall-length mural made up to pictures saying at the, paying homage to her. Oh, that's Her sweet. organization, Safe Hand for Girls, and the activism which led to the banning of female genitalia mutilation in Gambia. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. So, oh, the name of the documentary, she's a subject of Yaha's Promise, a feature-length documentary film. That's the name of the And what did you listen to? You listened to a podcast? I listened to a couple podcasts. I I put it in the, um, in my notes. In the show notes. Yeah, there's two podcasts I listened to specifically, and um, they were pretty, pretty awesome. But, um, so, yeah. Well, that was awesome. That's, yeah. Isn't she, I mean, I, when I I have never heard of her, her, and that's. I mean, I've heard about, you know, women fighting against this, but I'd, I'd never heard of her. But now we can't say that. Now we know her know. name. Jaha so, Dukara. Um, I think it was like last year or, or two years ago, there was a story about um, child brides in somewhere, Africa or somewhere yeah, in the Middle East. very common in Africa. And it was awful. Like they were in some kind of some kind of camp. I don't know if it was, maybe it was like Afghanistan or something. Yeah, maybe they were in some kind of camp. Um, Pakistan does child marriage, or they do arranged marriages. Yeah. I don't think it's child marriages. And the dad couldn't afford like food and stuff. Like they couldn't afford food and stuff. And so he was so so slowly selling off his daughters just to afford. And he had to like pay debts and whatnot. Uh huh. And so he was selling this one who was like, I think she was like nine. Oh my god! To like a sixty-year-old man. Or oh, something. that's disgusting! Oh, oh my, my god. god, that's so gross. Yeah. And yeah, and you know she doesn't want to go. Oh no, I'm she, sure she's like she screaming. was terrified. I mean, terrified. Oh and um, the like, U.S. some some news reporters from the U.S. came in and um, filmed it, like filmed the the family's. They talked about it, what uh-huh. was going on, and the, the girl talked about how terrified she was and all that. And it was to, like, pay a debt. And um, you could donate money, or a bunch of people, I guess, donated money and stopped it so that they paid off that debt and got that girl. And there's, like, some kind of safe haven thing that, like, char- some charity does mm-hmm. and takes these families and puts them in this home. Um 
and like hides them and then helps them to create a new life. Oh my god, I can't. So I donated like I donated to that charity because oh, sure. I, I can't even remember what it was called but well, it was the thing like is, is that if he's gotten himself into that kind of debt now it's going to happen again i mean i feel like in that because they're so poor and right he's yeah like i mean doing it to feed his family yeah. and stuff and so in order to not go into that debt and, he's and he didn't want to do it but he didn't know what else to do and oh i'm like God. i don't know on the one hand i feel bad for him and on the other hand i'm like selling your daughter like no way in hell i would i would let him kill me before that but yeah i, no, I just I, I can't i can't imagine Making that choice, or I'd be, I'd be, I'd be a full fledged sex worker. I mean, a I would do, sex I would literally do let my child anything, be. yeah, anything. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'd right. be a full fledged sex worker. I wouldn't care. I'd yeah, be like, whatever. whatever. I would do whatever I needed to do. But... Absolutely to protect my children. I just don't, like I don't understand, and I think it's so perverted and sick that these men accept it. Like, like not just the father. For fuck's sake. But the but the men, like a six year old man with a nine year old girl, like what the hell? Right. I mean it's, it's so disgusting. Like that's just I, I, uh, oh my God, I know. It's it's beyond disgusting. And like women like her, I mean the fact that she was very fortunate that she got to come to the United States, in my opinion. I mean, I don't know if a lot of women do from Gambia, but she I feel like she had she was fortunate enough to go to the United States and then that gave her a little more leverage. Right. She yeah, stayed in because... Gambia. I don't. I still think she probably would have made changes, but I think it would have been a little been harder. a little harder. Cause she, yeah, but she because her mom was letting her get an education, so she was. And that's the thing; they keep women over there stupid, so they they don't let them not. Stupid. Oh yeah, so I that they say can. That. They won't let them get educated. They can keep them yeah. in these marriages yeah, and, so and keep stop them from doing do. anything. It's disgusting. Oh my god, I can't. The child marriage thing is just. Yeah, and the fact that she did both at the same time was pretty And these awesome. men need to have their penises cut off. Yeah, like, absolutely. Absolutely. What man is buying a nine-year-old? Like, I, I can't even, I can't even under, I no, can't, I, it's so disgusting. No, it's disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Why doesn't he have a wife if he's 60 years old? Because right? he's a fucking he has... pedophile and he doesn't Ugh. like women. He likes children. Oh I mean, God, that's, yeah. that's exactly what it is. That's, he probably so had, I mean, who knows, like. He probably had another child bride and killed her or something. You yeah. know? Or was, yeah. Like, who knows what away. happened? Yeah. He's a creep. I mean, they're all fucking creeps. It's so yeah. disgusting. And then the father selling them, like, I'm sorry, but find another way. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand it. And I, it's like the fact that this culture is so recent still. Right. I mean, this insane. just happened, like, yeah. last year. Yeah. It's like, I mean, it's insane. What it's the fuck? Insane. Yeah. It's crazy. What is wrong with well, people? I mean, there's plenty of places that still do arranged marriages and, like, you still have to, you know, you have to trade two heifers for, you know. Yeah. It's like, what? I just don't That's how Chris it. got me. Oh, he traded your mom two cows? Yeah. Oh, well. That seems reasonable. <laughs> two but then heifers. you guys ended up with a dog. <laughs> I, I He got me and the dog. Yeah, you, you and the dog. <laughs> For two efforts. Oh, I was just talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rose, what are you doing this weekend? Um, Chris and Joseph are going to be gone again. And I can say that because this doesn't come out till next Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're just gone one night for soccer. Okay. Um, and I'm doing nothing. Actually, I'm painting. I So I made Charlotte a little, like, clubhouse thing under the stairs it's like oh yeah you told me about in that. our pantry there's like a little opening that goes under the stairs and 
So I made her like I had an outlet put in there and I had it dried walled last Mm -hmm. weekend. And I'm going to paint it this weekend and then put down some like the the foam tiles. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. And um, yeah, make her and I bought some light, like some cool lights and stuff. Make her a little clubhouse. Oh, that's so much fun. I thought you were going to make that into a um... sex dungeon. I wasn't going to say it out loud. (laughs) Whatever. I mean, you guys aren't very tall. It'll be fine. (laughs) No. um, Remember we were talking about putting the drawers under the steps. Yeah, but my steps, it's weird because it, it like, goes down too far and there's not enough room. Oh. I did look into that because that would be really cool. That would be freaking awesome. But she loves her little, her her best friend has a little clubhouse like that under the stairs oh do they yeah That's... i think theirs is like in the basement and it's it's not like as enclosed as hers is but um she was like i want a clubhouse like her friend and so i was like oh, okay and i had always thought about doing it because it was it's like a cool little space yeah. you know so does she they have to enter from the pantry yeah so um you should if you're a really good mom you'd make like one of the steps removable for a secret door <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> yeah but don't have Chris you have get stuff, on board with that <laughs> yeah don't you don't you have stuff in the pantry that's so I moved everything because our pantry is really weird looking and it's like they're shelves but then there's like from the floor for like three feet four feet up there's nothing like it's just empty and we had like little um like a metal shelf in there mm-hmm. and stuff so I just took out one of the shelves and moved one sideways and took out all the other crap that was in there and like like lunch boxes and stuff okay um and put it in the coat closet so how are you going to redo your closet now that there's a door in it i mean your pantry we were gonna i know and now one of the youtube people that i follow is redoing her pantry now i want to redo my pantry and now i'm like damn it oh my god i know i just need to redo my whole kitchen and just yeah that's true i mean you might end up end up with a bigger pantry. Yeah. You know, if you redo your whole kitchen. Yeah. Because I feel like, I mean, you think about, well, maybe not. I mean, you could put a pantry like where that table is by the back door. Yeah. Like that's kind of wasted space. Yeah. But I was thinking about putting a bar there. A bar? Like a bar area. Like, you know, like you can have like your coffee pot. Like a and, coffee station yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, you could do but that. But also like kind of a bar. Yeah, you just need to get somebody to sketch out your kitchen and see. Because yeah. I feel like you could we'll end have up a lot with a of money, bigger pantry. So. You're not... Wait, what? Yeah, I have a lot of money. Oh, that's what I thought you said. Uh, I thought you said I don't have a lot of money. I was no, like, wait I a minute. A, You've I been have, lying to me all these years. I have a ton of money. So it's no problem. She has money falling out of her pockets everywhere That's why my um, kitchen looks like it's from 1970. <laughs> <laughs> not anymore. You painted the cabinet. <laughs> yeah. So my stove and my oven look like they're from 1970. They're green. They're avocado green. <laughs> no, they're not. They're like beige, but they're like they're yellow. Sh- Actually, they're back in style now. So yeah, I could, I could tell people like, oh, yeah, we had we those installed. <laughs> I'm surprised your oven still works. I mean, it's over 20 years old. Would yeah. Well, say? I'm afraid that the house is going to burn down every time I use it. So. Why? Because the whole, like, cabinetry around it, it's like a built-in oven, like, into the cabinets. And the whole, all the cabinetry around it gets hot when you use it, which isn't good. <laughs> that means it's just not insulated around the oven. Well, I'll ask my dad about flames that. one day. I'll ask my dad about that. Because I feel like, well, I just definitely wouldn't have the oven on if you weren't home. No, and there's no way to do that because it's ancient. <laughs> it doesn't have a timer. <laughs> no. I used to use my automatic oven all the time. People are like, oh, my God, I can't believe you do that if you're not home. And I'm like, 
I would do that if it was a nice oven, yeah. but not one that's like built in. Well, I don't have that ability, but. Yeah. So there's like, you know, like when you get an oven, it's like it's wrapped like there's wrap around yeah. it. Yeah. So the timer on it, like, you know how they have the timer? Yeah. It's the old-fashioned, like, you got a little, yeah. little <laughs> knob. <laughs> like an analog. Yeah, like an analog timer. I don't use it. I use my Alexa, but. Oh, my God. And the, yeah. And the, name, and the sound of it. <laughs> Sounds like that. <laughs> yeah. Then I'm like, Alexa, go off. And then she's like. <laughs> so I'm like, Alexa, turn off now. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure what I'm doing this weekend. Um, I was supposed to have company, but um, I have a feeling that I just I just got a phone call uh, while we were recording, and I have a feeling that it's my plans falling through for this weekend. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Well, you can come over and help me paint. Nah. Yeah, that, that'd be a good idea. Nah. I'll be like, Lynn, come over and have drinks, and then I'll be like, actually, we're painting. Nah. No, I have I have um, I have Julia. This weekend. Julia can play with Charlotte. I know, but I, I have, um, yeah, I, I think we have a hair appointment or something. <laughs> no, I totally would come over and help you paint. Actually, but I have... we should get them together to, this weekend to yeah, play. we can. We'll see if my plans are canceled. There may that be COVID in the air. She doesn't want to hang out with me. We'll see. She's I... like, once a week is enough. Well, the thing is, is that I'm like, I promised her that we would go to the park. Yeah, Charlotte can Char- go to the park. Charlotte. Oh, okay, right. Charlotte, her two friends who lived across the street were foster kids and they moved. They got adopted by another family. Oh, that sucks. So they moved. They were with that family for two years and they moved and so they're no longer there. And the child is so bored. She's Aww. like bothering the poor neighbors. The little boy never wants to play. I'm like, he doesn't <laughs> want to play with you, Charlotte. <laughs> and the mom is so sweet. She like takes takes Charlotte to the park and like makes her kid play with him. <laughs> Oh, my God. And every day. And then the other kid, she's like, always wants to play with him. I'm like, <laughs> I feel so bad for her. Yeah, that's hard. Especially having them right across. That sucks. Where do they live now? The little girls, they moved to North Carolina, I think. Are they um, Are they sisters? Yeah, they were sisters. Aww. And they were, like, they were her age. And she, yeah, they were, like, best friends. They loved to hang out. Oh, that's so and I knew sad. one day they were going to move. So Do they not, do they only do foster? Or do they adopt? Too. They adopted one kid, but they they're not adopting anymore. Yeah. Oh. They got a lot of kids over there. They do. They have like four kids now. They had uh, six kids. That's a fucking lot. Yeah. No, we'll see so, about this weekend. I just it depends on what happens with my plans that I'm supposed to have. Um, I did want to. I was hoping to um, do some sewing this weekend. So we'll see. <laughs> I'm serious. No, I really was because okay, I have to Grammy. sew. I have to sew patches on Caitlin. She has two pairs of pants. I told her I'd sew patches on. On her Girl Scout uniform? On her Girl Scout uniform. That's what I should do. She bought some fabric to put the patches. I should use her Girl Scout patches. (laughs) (laughs) I have so many of those left over. Oh, my God. That's so funny. Yeah. No, she picked it out. Um, Her Carthart pants have a rip in the back. And so. You know what you should do is just drop Julia off at my house to hang out with Char. Oh, we'll, we'll get them together. As long as if it just it depends on what if my plans. I'm trying through. to get you to like entertain my child. <laughs> we'll definitely do something. We'll definitely do something. Or else I have her. She sits around. I'm so bored. Yeah, no, but I want. I, she's going to learn how to ride her bike. Yeah, bring her to my house. That'd I have the best. Like the school area yeah. is the best place in the world to ride a bike. That's a good idea because we have. I mean, I have the park by my house where she can ride it, but the, your house is good too. And then it's Char's ride, and then she she'll want to ride. Yeah, right. 
So, okay. Okay, well, that was boring for everyone. <laughs> yeah, you guys, we just planned all that. <laughs> all right, anyway, so go on the Insta, the Facebook, and the TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> on the TikTok, on the, on the TikTok. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. No Ordinary Women Pod. And on Twitter, No Ord Women Pod, O-R-D. Um, I don't post much on Twitter. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be downright honest with you. I don't. So um, follow, give us a follow. Give us a shout out. We'll put up questions next week for if anybody has any questions. And please rate, follow, and review. Review, a comment. Follow, rate, and comment on our <laughs> podcast on Apple. You can do it on Spotify. You got it. Girl. You, got it. you can do it on. Amazon podcast. You can do it on Google podcast. You can go to our website. You can go anywhere you want. But it means the most, I think, on Apple. Apple. Yeah. So that's where most people listen. That's the platform. We'll most love people you forever. If you, and Spotify if you is pretty us. popular, too. So and then the other suggestion I have is that if you're sitting around with your family, I don't know, husbands, wives, brothers, sisters, grab their phone. Subscribe to our podcast so they get a reminder and leave us a comment. <laughs> Just do it. Do it. I dare you. I did it to Chris the other day. I dare you. I forced him to leave a, us a comment. I did it to Yana. Yana's oh, yeah, comment's true. fabulous. Yeah. Lynn rocks. But. She told me to write it. Yeah, right. She didn't. <laughs> she didn't, everyone. Do it. It's Just do it. <laughs> Steal your friends' phones. Do it. <laughs> All right, you guys. Have a wonderful weekend. Bye. Bye.